eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten wrong with yet? Good morning. Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, beautiful, beautiful week time. Weather's looking great time. Open football practice time, baseball ranked top three time, basketball new coaches time, hope springs eternal time, optimism time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. Coming to you from Old North Knoxville, just a couple of couple miles, I think maybe 1.92 miles as the crow flies from uh, Neyland Stadium, from Thompson Bowling Arena, from Tennessee's campus, where the Vols football team had an open practice over the weekend. Josh Heupel and his crew did, uh, did had, had, had an open practice for us to see a little bit. Uh, see a little, see a lot, as a former bad Tennessee football coach used to say. And uh, we, we saw some things, and we're going to talk about those things on this podcast. It's not just going to be me on this podcast, guys. We're going to go over to the uh, Clown Car Full of Children Home Daycare Center of one Ryan Callahan. And we're going to have Grant Ramey in the second segment, so I should warn you ahead of time for that. So prepare yourself for that. In the first segment, it's going to be me, and it's going to be Ryan Callahan. Ryan, what's up, man? How much, Wes? How's it going? It goes, man. It goes. Beautiful day. Hoping to uh, hoping to get out and do some work in the yard this afternoon, hopefully. Wasn't able to do that over the weekend because uh, the Tennessee baseball team had a three-game series against Florida, and there was the open practice on Saturday. Uh, not complaining. Work is good. Um, you know, we, we have some of the best jobs on the planet. Um, but there's some stuff I needed to so, – some errands uh, and some chores I needed to get to in the yard. And uh, – Hopefully we'll get to those uh, today. Um, but and I gotta say it was it was weird and nice to get to cover a, a football something in person again, and not have, like you know obviously games were a little bit sort of normal in the fall, but otherwise we've been very limited in what we've done in person. So like I saw all of all of you guys on the Go Vols twenty four seven staff for the first time in a while, and like it, it it felt sort of like life was back to normal for a few hours. So yeah. that was kind of nice it was and i got to spend uh, most of the time speaking with one of my favorite people in the world my former colleague mark weedmer from the chattanooga times free press the columnist du jour the, the columnist longtime columnist down there i say that long time because he's old 
I love you, Weeds, but you're old. You're getting old now. We're all getting old now. Uh, but it was good to sit to talk to him. And and I I talked to all y'all. And the first thing, although Ramey and I, you know, we, we text like every day. We're we're always you know in touch about like you know work stuff and MLB stuff and soccer stuff and everything else. Um, but we were in the same stadium for like three hours on Saturday morning, and he said I believe seven words to me the entire time, and they were, "Hey, you know, barbershops are still open, right?" <laughs> and then he just walked away and I was like, you bastard. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, but it, it was good to see some, some football. And before we dive into that, I will give, uh, some, another quick shout out the Tennessee baseball team, Tony Vitello's boys. Uh, they did go three and one last weekend. They won a weekend series against Florida against the, uh, 12th ranked or I'm sorry, ninth ranked Gators. Uh, they beat them two out of three. Now they should have swept them, uh, lost that game on Sunday. They had a six, three lead. And Sean Hunley, who's normally their best reliever, uh, just had a rare kind of meltdown, gave up three quick hits, including one just mammoth three-run home run. And they ended up losing that game 7-6, uh, to six, but they still won the weekend series, and they still went up from number four to number three in the polls this week. So uh, Tennessee will host Vanderbilt this weekend, and that will be number two versus number three nationally for three games. So uh, the biggest baseball series that's been in this town in a while, one week after the biggest baseball series that's been in this town in a while. So that's kind of a kind of a cool thing. Now Tennessee does go to uh, makes a midweek trip on the road this week to Cullowee, as they say down there. We we'd rather be in Cullowee. They will they will uh, go to Western Carolina on Tuesday, play a midweek game, uh, and then they will bus immediately back to Knoxville, take a day off, and get ready for the game against um, Vanderbilt, uh, the first game of the series on Friday. So you know they'll be facing Rocker Lighter. The whole bunch, right? Like this Vanderbilt team has two top three picks um, that are starting games on Friday and Saturday on the mound. So uh, just a, a really good team. But, hey, Tennessee, it finds a way to win, man. I got to tell you, uh, did you see the, the tweet I made yesterday, Ryan, the Moneyball one? When yeah. looking at – because you look at some of the batting averages on this team and you go, why is this team good? These guys are – these batting averages, these power numbers, they're not good. But what does he do? He gets on base. And uh, they just battle you, man. They they make you throw six, seven, eight pitches to get most outs. They're just they they know the strike zone. Uh, they do strike out a good bit because they're always in two strike counts. Because they work counts, they get starters out of games. They just grind you and grind you and grind you. They make plays they need to on defense. Spence is having an unbelievable season. Probably probably the favorite right now, or one of the favorites for SEC Player of the Year at this point. Um, even with those Vanderbilt pitchers there, he, he's. He's lapping the field. I think he's up by 30 points in both batting average and OBP across the league, um, which is just an insane number. Uh, sitting like 415 or something like that, and on base is like 540. Just having a ridiculous – the Aussie, he's got a bad back and a bad hamstring right now, and he's still just getting on base more than 50% of the time. It's, it's crazy. Um, but long story short there, Tennessee just finds ways to win games. Uh, the best pitcher on the team, Jackson Leith, is out for the year, and it just they've just found a way. They just they just keep winning. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They just kind of have some mojo, and they've got good talent. I thought last year's team was more talented than this year's probably, but it's close. Um, but last year's team would just, you know, they were putting up stupid numbers offensively. This team is just kind of grinding out and getting what they need. And it's been. And you plug in Garrett Crochet on this year's team, and my goodness, what what you could have there. Yeah, and you plug in, you know, like Solari and and Daniels and the bats they had, and you know, but I mean, you know, hey, Pavoloni, uh, Ferguson, Lipsius, they're starting to hit the ball again, so their numbers are starting to come up. And and if you've not missed, if you've not seen this team play, uh, you really should. Uh, they have a lot of camaraderie. They have a really, really, really good team chemistry. 
uh, and they make exciting plays in big spots. And, and I think they're they're a team that you know I, I I'm still not convinced that they're actually a top five team, but they're playing like one right now, and so they have deserved their ranking. And it'll be a big big series this weekend. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit more on Thursday when we'll have Patrick Brown with us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Tennessee football and Tennessee baseball. But I just I didn't want to ignore those guys because we're going to now shift the focus completely uh, to football and then do football and basketball with all that roster and staff news. Uh, we'll do that in the second segment, but I just didn't want to ignore those baseball guys because, uh, and you can tell, man, Lindsey Nelson's making a lot of noise. They're at COVID capacity, uh, so it's not full, but it's they're making noise like it is full. It's been, it's been crazy to see um, what those guys are doing there. Big, big things ahead for that program and the way they're recruiting in the future right now is just ridiculous. So, uh, that guy, they got that one right. They made a lot of mistakes, what, but that Vitalo guy, that was a good hire. And when was the last time Tennessee was even ranked number three? I was thinking about this. Like even those, some of those teams that made the College World Series under Rod Delmonico were not top five all season kind of teams. So it, I, think, it's I think it may have been, o, may been, have been 20 years. Yeah, it may have been 02. I think yeah. it may have been the last time 01. Because when they had that, that core there of guys um, around then, they were really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. It may have been 06, actually, they, where they were ranked pretty high for a while because they still had, you know, Aaron CB and all those guys. So, True, so yeah, they still had that core from the 05 World yeah, Series. Yeah, so, yeah. Gomes and all those guys. So, I, I mean, they, they were probably uh, – it may have been then, but I can tell you for sure that they have won their first four SEC series to start a season for the first time since 1970. Um, and, and really, they won their last two in the season before, you know, the last time they were able to play – uh, SEC games, so that they've won six consecutive SEC series, which is just ridiculous. Anybody doing that in this league at any time is insane, because this this league. I mean, to put it in perspective, before we move on, Florida is was ranked number one consensus number one in like all six polls going into the season, and is six and six in SEC play, uh, and still has a bunch of potential guys who are going to be taken in the first two three rounds of the draft. A loaded roster, um, but the SEC is just kind of a beast. It's tough in baseball, man. It chews you up and spits you out. So when you get on a heater, you don't mess with the heater. Uh, you don't F with the heater, as they said. What was it? Uh, was that Swingers, Rounders? Which movie was that? They said, don't mess with the heater. Um, but point is, those guys are doing some good things, and we need to mention that. On to football, Ryan. Um, the Saturday open practice, I, I want to be honest about this. We have been able to see some stuff this spring. Pat's been able to, I should say, um, because he's been able to go to practices that are outdoors. When it rains, we can't go because it's indoors. But outdoors, uh, Pat's been able to go one person per outlet. So we've seen some things he has anyway, and he's talked to us about them. He's written about them on the side. He's talked about them on this podcast. But, but, um, you know, and seeing them in person uh, for all of us in a situation for like three hours is something that we've not done in a long time. So we were able to go and see some stuff on Saturday. And I want to be honest about what we saw, though. A lot of guys who are going to be starters and rotation guys sort of on this team were were not healthy and not able to participate Saturday, either because they were injured or they were suspended or, you know, maybe in some cases because they haven't arrived yet. Um, yeah. So, you know, whether they're going to come through their signees who haven't arrived yet or they are portal guys who, who could arrive in the summer, what have you. So what we saw was a shell of the version of the Tennessee team that we think we will see this season. So we need to put all that in perspective, right? Plus, uh, spring is 15 days, not one. So what you see one day is not necessary. On a day where they're probably not going to want to show much, if we're being honest, um, 
I don't want to take too much from that. But we were able to see some things. And what did you see? What caught your attention? Uh, yeah, you know, I a lot of a lot of things that you look at, and, and sure, when you're missing that many guys uh, on the field, things that that sure concern you a little bit because of who's missing. But when you keep, we have to keep it in perspective and remember who is not out there. You know, the linebackers sure are going to be one of the first things people notice when they see that team, that particular team we saw Saturday, because you don't have Jeremy Banks out there because you did lose Henry Toto and Kavaris Crouch, who have yet to announce new destinations, but appear to be headed elsewhere. Um, you know, with all those guys not out there, it's just a very different looking group right now. Uh, and then you still have Aaron Willis and, and Martavius French suspended. Uh, so lo- lots of uncertainty there. And so when you see Morvin Joseph and Solon Page working with the first team defense, it, it, it's concerning, yes, but you yes, have to is. know that situation is going to be very different. It is a legitimate concern, and, and we would be lying if we did not mention that. Yeah, and so that, that's obviously you got to keep an eye on that. Uh, that's a position they still might have to address in the transfer portal. I think there's at least looking into options there, uh, but you you have to you have to keep that in perspective that you are missing some guys who quite possibly will be back and, and, and in the mix. We know Jeremy Banks is out there just not really practicing much right now and then Aaron Willis and and Martavius French we expect those guys to likely return at some point it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of when they're cleared and all that so you'll have some more bodies there but how much better will that situation get uh and then do do any newcomers does it does a Cayman Marley end up getting a look there in this recruiting class a guy who's not here yet um who could play a few different positions you know So, so you still might have some extra help there but that's still a position that concerns you a little bit when you see what's out there uh, concerns you a lot, frankly. Uh, the quarterbacks, obviously, I think people are, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that more in a minute. I thought it was just an okay day for the quarterbacks. I didn't see a whole lot there that looked all that outstanding, but, you know, it was just one day and we didn't see a lot of team periods. So um, it was not a full scale scrimmage or anything of that sort. We saw maybe what 25, 30 plays of 11 on 11 work. So that it seems was, about right. Yeah. yeah so it was, it was a pretty limited day from that standpoint. But, you know, what we saw, uh, you didn't see a lot that made you say, wow, they've completely transformed that group so far, but it's also just halfway through spring practice. And you've uh, at least so far only added one new guy out there. You you don't have Caden Salter out there uh, who, who they hope will be back before the end of, end of spring and, and cleared to return at some point. Um, so that's, that's different. Um, the things that I would say look pretty good. I, I thought it was an okay day for Tennessee's offensive line. I, I, I thought that group had a, had a decent day, especially in the run game, because, you know, maybe, maybe taking advantage of that front seven uh, and especially the linebackers not having the best day. Uh, they, they were able to run the ball up the middle, no matter who was in there, really, they had some, some good success. I thought even with some walk on running backs. Um, and that's the other thing I, I thought looked good was the group of running backs. I thought Jalen Wright had, had a couple moments where you saw mm-hmm. that, that speed show up. I thought D Beckwith looked very good. Uh, and, and looks like much more of a natural fit at, at, at running back at 6'5", 227 or whatever he is uh, than you might think. And, and I thought, um, you know, obviously with, with Jabari Small not even out there, uh, it just looked like a pretty good group. Uh, you didn't see much of Tyon Evans, so we'd love to see more of him. But he, he looks the part physically. And then yeah, he aces, uh, even, he, he aces the eyeball test. Like his eyeball test is like, a, 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 like an Aaron Judge home run. Like it's he nails it. Yeah. And then even T Hodge had some, had some pretty good runs. And then and I, I saw some good plays made in the secondary. It was an up and down day for that group. I didn't think they made 
a ton of plays here and there, but, but they did make a few plays. Uh, you saw Christian Charles, the freshman safety pick off a pass. There was another interception later uh, in, in 11 on 11 work that was off a deflection. So they, they did make some plays in the secondary. Warren Burrell had a nice pass breakup at one point in tight coverage against, uh, I believe that was against Cedric Tillman. So, so there were some, uh, there were some good plays in the secondary and that's, that's encouraging because I think that group definitely needs some work. And that's, that's one of the concern areas for this team. So some positives there, but I'm sure we'll get into more of the concerns here as we discuss the rest of this. And obviously some people working with starters like Dane Davis, still the walk former walk on at left tackle um, that, that people will look at that and see the depth or what we know of the depth chart so far and say, Oh, that's, that's just not a, a very uh, reassuring look. And, and sure, this is a, Saturday was a reminder. This is a flawed roster that has some limitations right now. And, and Tennessee's sort of making the making do with what it has, uh, at least while some guys are out. And, and we'll see what the finished product looks like in about five months. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with a couple of positives that I noticed. And, and I spent because of where I was seated and because this is just what I kind of wanted to see. I figured everyone. Uh, and their mother would be looking at all the quarterbacks all the time because naturally when, you know, Ryan, we've both been doing this for two decades now. You know, when, when you look at practice, your eyes are naturally drawn to the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the tight ends, right? Like that's where Mm -hmm. you're naturally, that's where your attention goes because most of us understand those positions. They, you know, the ball's in the air. It's exciting. We get to see things, you know, and and so I've said this a a lot that, that my knowledge of the line of scrimmage, especially the offensive line, it, that's probably where my weakest point of knowledge is in football because I, I just don't – I know some stuff, but I, I don't know, like, sometimes I'll have to watch the same play two or three times to realize exactly who was at fault for something. And, you know, but so with that said, I wanted to pay attention to those guys because I thought, you know what, we're not going to get another opportunity to see a lot of these guys doing this for a while, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this. And, and I came away thinking – what I thought going into it, I think Tennessee will be okay on the line of scrimmage. Now, I did not say Tennessee will be great on the line of scrimmage because I do not at all believe that. But I think this team will be okay on both lines of scrimmage. I think they've got some big bodies there. I think those guys move pretty well and well enough. I think they're physical, strong guys. I don't think they're just going to get annihilated up front in games this year. I just don't I don't buy that. I think they're going to be okay. Now, I like them offensively inside the guard box better than I like them at tackle. But, you know, the Davis kid, he, I don't know. He's going to be the starter or not. We'll see. I mean, maybe it's just a good spring story as we hear every year. There's got to be someone, right? But, you know, I think left tackle, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, that's a concern. But he's not terrible. I mean, I, I you know, the Sullins twins were able to get it done a little bit. Like, you know, you, you can play offensive line without, you know, as a walk-on, you can do that. I, I don't think they're going to be terrible up front. Now, I don't know that they're going to be great. I don't know that they're going to be blowing people up on the line of scrimmage, but I also don't think they're going to be getting blown up very often. I think they're okay there. Now, I might be wrong about that, but I just, they got a bunch of big physical defensive guys who have been there for a while up front. They may not be studs, but they're good enough. So I think they're okay there. Um, you'd like to see a, a pass rusher. You know, Byron Young's a guy who I think has some ability. We'll see what he can do with the offseason. But that that was one of my main takeaways was I think they're going to be okay up front. Uh, and the other takeaway I noticed that was positive, uh, I still think these receivers are okay. Uh, and, and, and Callaway, Jimmy Callaway, was a guy who stood out to me because, you know, he just kind of does a little bit of everything, right? He, he's not like – he's not big – you know, he's not he's fast, but he's not like electrifyingly fast like Jalen Hyde is. He just is a good football player. He knows 
he, he uses his body well. He gets into space. He makes catches. He makes plays. He can take a lick and keep on, you know, ticking. He, he can he can do things that I think will help this team. I don't know that he's going to be like you know, a thousand yard stud or anything like that. We'll see how good this offense is um, in the first year. But but I, he stood out to me. He was a guy who made some plays, and and when the quarterbacks gave him a chance, um, he rewarded them for it. And I think with him, Jones, I you know. Um, uh, Tillman, a guy who I've always kind of been bullish on for his future. I think they're okay there. Um, you know, they could be a little more dynamic, and I think that'll help when Hyatt gets back. Um, or Hyatt will help them when he gets back, I should say. But those were things that stood out to me as positives. And I also noticed Beckwith a good bit. I think he's a guy who is just – he's kind of a unicorn. He's, he's a unique player, and I think a guy that they – I hope this staff – is able to find a way to use him because my fear with guys like that is you want them to do a little bit of everything. So they end up doing nothing at a high level. And I hope they get him involved because I think he's a guy who can do some things for him. Yeah. I really like uh back with, and, and yeah, he can be kind of a Swiss army knife for this offense. If that's what they want him to be, you know, I, I certainly think he has the body type to help it, you know, tight end H back, or even, even some in the slot, uh, since that's such a similar role for, for many tight ends these days, you know, he could do a lot of things, but if they need him as a full-time running back, he makes perfect sense there because I I think he's, he's got a more natural, um, more natural way of carrying himself there. He's not a, he's not a really upright runner the way you see a lot of taller running backs, uh, be, I know that's always the concern for a lot of people. And I, and I kind of thought this about him coming out of high school. I, I, I did get to see him play once in person when, when he was in high school and he, he ran a lot as a quarterback, even though he did play quarterback, he wasn't the type that threw 25 or 30 times a game. He, he played quarterback and receiver. And when he was a quarterback, he maybe threw 10 or 12 times a game, a lot of times. So he was a, he was a runner a lot of times. And when he ran, yeah, I think he, he developed a lot of these natural skills that have translated pretty well to running back. So I think he's a, a more natural fit there than people might think. Yeah, I, I really liked what he brought. He had, had some physicality, and he maybe he can be that kind of bigger back Tennessee hasn't had, but he's also pretty athletic and still still fast. So he would be far from just uh, you know bet- between the tackles uh, banger. Basically, he, he could give you know give you some versatility there uh, that people might not expect. So I, I really liked his his game, what we saw of him Saturday, and I think that running back group, which has very little experience, can be probably a, a strength of this offense if they if those guys all live up to, to expectations and Jabari small continues to improve and Tyon Evans lives up to some of the hype. And yeah, if you get all those guys contributing, that's a, that's a better group than people probably think on paper. Yeah. And I think it's going to need to be, uh, you know, it's going to need to be a good group because there are issues other places. And I, you know, I I don't want to belabor the point. I'll just mention again, we know what the situation is at linebacker. Um, We know it's not good. We know that they've got a lot of work to do there. Even Heupel um, very, politely but very firmly says yes there's work to do there Um, but one thing I want to note here about the quarterbacks is I I think there's in some cases there's a uh, an assumption by people and and I understand why that that Heupel's offense will work no matter what because they look at what he did at Mizzou when he got there and and that team did not have elite talent in a lot of places It, it was one of the worst offenses in college football when he got there and then the next year, it suddenly became one of the best offenses of college, in college football, just like at the snap of a finger, like a Thanos snap. And all of a sudden, they were one of the best offenses in college football. But I think the thing that gets lost in that too much is that that team had Drew Locke. So, yeah, I mean, even when Locke was not 
even as a freshman, we, we saw Locke play, and a lot of other people saw him play that year. You saw why he was such a touted prospect, and you saw how good he could be. So you knew you had a guy at quarterback, and, and that changes everything. Because what they want to do, it's a, like a lot of offenses, it's a, it's a quarterback-driven offense, and, and it's just the decisions they have to make, where they got to go with the ball as quickly as they can with the right decision accurately, you know, the decisions on the RPOs and all that stuff. It's important. They, they've got to be good there. And I don't know that I loved what I saw from those guys on Saturday. Again, it's one day. I don't want to make too much of it. But my basic – and, again, I was, I was watching a lot – of the line of scrimmage. So I, I'm guessing the three of y'all all saw more of the quarterbacks than I did. I just kind of kept one eye over there while I was looking at the line of scrimmage stuff. But what I saw was uh, when they're at their, when all three of them are at their best, um, Brian Maurer is the most exciting because he can make throws. All of them have good arm strength. Maurer can make throws. I don't know if the other two guys can make consistently. He, he, he spins the ball beautifully. His best throws are fantastic. Um, and, and there's a lot to like there. But then Maurer still does those things that make you go, oh, my God, what are you doing? And it's just hard as an offense to trust someone who does that. So maybe as he learns this offense more, as he gets more comfortable, maybe that changes. But I saw him as still kind of that you know, mercurial, enigmatic guy that he has been. Uh, I saw Bailey as a guy who just – He's solid, but he never really wows me. He just doesn't. And that doesn't mean he's not a good player or won't be a good or great player. I've just never been really wowed with what I've seen from him so far. He's young, long way to go, but I just, you know, he's okay. But I don't I don't see any – I just don't see much greatness there right now. Uh, and Hooker, to me, is the guy who's like the safe play because he's a guy who generally makes the right decisions. Uh, he can make the throws. He's athletic enough to run. I think if the season started tomorrow, he might be the guy. But I don't know that they're anywhere near making a decision on that because they still got half a spring camp to go. They got a full off season. They got a full camp. You know, Salter's going to get a chance when he shows up and, and gets through his stuff, which should be sooner rather than later, I would imagine. But that's how I saw the quarterback situation on Saturday. Do you have any bones to pick with that, Ryan? Did you see anything differently? No, I I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I, I, I'll say it even probably a little stronger than you. I, I think if the season started tomorrow, I would be shocked if anyone besides Hendon Hooker was the starter. I, I think he is uh, – he, he definitely on, – on different days, I would imagine he's showing a higher ceiling than others uh, because we didn't see him push the ball down the field a lot Saturday, and yeah. that's something you need to be able to do in Josh Heupel's offense. Uh, from what I've heard, I, I think he's done that some. He just We just didn't see a lot of it Saturday. It might have been one of those days where in the, the limited reps he got, checking down was a smart play or making a shorter throw, and he did that well. Um, so I, I think he – and that's maybe to his credit. He seems like a solid decision maker. He didn't get them in any, any tough spots, and his running ability looks like it's going to help them mm-hmm. as we thought it would make some things happen when, when otherwise this offense might have some limitations or, or when the, when the pass protection is not ideal, things like that, 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 you know, Brian Maurer gives you a little bit of that, but hookers an even better runner. And, and I think that might be one of the things that, that can, can push him over the top if it ends up being a close, close race uh, in, in fall practice. So nowhere near being a done deal, but right now he looks like he has the highest floor out of those guys and is the most consistent it's just can he can he consistently give you the dynamics you want to see the the big plays that Josh Heupel wants to make this offense really go 
Um, but he, he looked to me like the, like you said, like the safest pick. And I would be very surprised if they went with anybody else as of right now, um, just based on what we've heard and what we saw Saturday, but you know, you can't rule out, uh, Harrison Bailey, I guess at this point, because he's not, uh, he's, he's not really doing anything out there to really kill himself. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to put you in a lot of bad spots, but like you said, I just don't know that he gives you enough of a spark really feel like he can be the guy and it's worth noting that he got a lot of his reps with the second and third team units he did not seem to get very much work with the first team uh i, I wouldn't read too too much into that but it's certainly worth noting and, and on a day like that uh, where where you know the public's gonna see it I, you know i, I would think you want to make things pretty uh pretty even across the board and so i thought it was definitely interesting that he did not really get a lot of work with the first team and then Brian Maurer, as you said, kind of had the highest highs of anybody in that group, but also had the lowest lows and made some plays where you just said, you can't make that throw. You just yeah. can't. Um, so he made some things happen, and that's kind of always been his MO since he got to Tennessee. Um, but, you know, it's kind of the same thing as his senior year of high school. He threw a lot of interceptions that year while putting up big numbers. And that's kind of because at the time you thought, well, he had to do that because his team is not very good around him. He's kind of been that same guy since he got to Tennessee. He likes, he takes chances. He's a bit of a gunslinger in that way. And you saw him make some throws that, that frankly weren't very good or weren't very good decisions. Uh, in addition to making some, some pretty exciting plays. So he's just one of those guys that if you, if you play him, you have to know that he's going to make some mistakes at some point that are quite possibly going to really hurt you. And it's tough to go with a guy like that in, in a, in a game setting. So when you throw in hookers experience to me, he's the, he's definitely the front runner right now, but, only halfway through spring practice and we, we still need to see what Caden Salter can bring to the table. And then can Mauer, you know, find some consistency that he hasn't shown to this point. Can Harrison Bailey show some dynamics that he hasn't shown to this point? It's, it's still not over, but I, I do think Hendon Hooker, at least to start the season, if I were, if I were placing odds right now, he would be a pretty clear favorite to me. If I were the, uh, if I were the odds maker in that scenario. Yeah, the last thing I'll say before I move on to asking you a recruiting question is, again, I'll add this. I don't think that too many assumptions need to be made based on one day of one practice because there are, you know, there's winter workouts and then there's 15 spring practices, spring game. There's the um, off-season conditioning stuff, workouts, and then there's preseason camp, and, and there's so many things. And I don't want to base everything based on, hey, we actually got to see something today. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to put everything on that. But I will say, based on what I've heard and what I've seen, uh, the little bit that I've seen, I, I would put it like this. In my job doing what I do, you know, not really caring about the results of games and just kind of wanting to be entertained and, and from, from a neutral perspective like that, I want it to be Brian Maurer because, my God, it is exciting when he's out there. It, you don't know. I mean, it could be you, – you never know what you're going to see. It might be incredible. It might be a train wreck, but, by God, it'll be fun. Um, but if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm thinking, Hendon Hooker might be the safest bet for now. Um, that, that might be how I would split it up. I don't, maybe that's too simplistic, but um, – I just think as fun as it is to watch Maurer play football, and it is devilishly fun to watch him play football, I don't know that that's necessarily the thing that helps Tennessee the most right now until he curves that part of his game. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I'll say this about the quarterbacks too. I I think it's so important to get that position right that I think there's some important assessments Tennessee needs to make by the end of spring practice. I think really the next thing – they have to decide is in these next seven practices over the, the final two weeks here, 
can they get what they need to out of this group of quarterbacks to get what they need to out of this team as a whole? Or do they need to seriously consider if the right guy is out there mm-hmm. adding more help in the transfer portal? Mm-hmm. Because I do wonder if this team gets in a tough spot and, and Hendon Hooker gets hurt, if he is the guy or if he uh, if he just doesn't make it click for this offense early on for what one reason or another, do they have a second guy that they feel really good about in this group? And so I think that they've got to spend the next two weeks figuring that out because you still have time to address that. Uh, we know they've at least had s- some interest at times in, in Joe Milton in the transfer portal. I don't know if he's a guy that comes in and changes the, the equation right away. Um, so maybe you have to think about whether he's, he's uh, even the type that, that could really shake things up there much, but you know, maybe see who else is out there because even, even though you have four bodies there and you hate to use a spot, I think that's, that's just such an important one. You've got to get it right. That I, I wonder after seeing that group a little bit more, if that's something they seriously consider after this spring. So I think you've got to spend the next two weeks really thinking about that and where, where are those final spots you, you could really fill in this class. If you, if you can find some transfer portal help that will come where you would like to address the most, because you've only got a little bit of space to play with there. Can you fix patch some holes meaningfully without sacrificing your future in a way that those spots are worth using right now. And if you add one, you're going to lose one, at least one, but that's how it goes. Um, that's just what the decision that you would have to make at the yep. time. So Ryan, uh, last thing before I get out of here, I know uh, before we get out of here and we go to the break and then go to uh, speak with Ramey here in the second segment, what um, there is some big recruiting news involving Tennessee coming this week, certainly to uh, two prospects who are pretty well known in the state, two guys, some two brothers whose recruitment ha- has been pretty newsy lately. Uh, what's the latest you can tell us about these kids coming into uh, this week? Yeah, the, the Wade twins, uh, Keaton Wade and Destin Wade over at Summit High School in Spring Hill, uh, deciding uh, and announcing their decisions on Friday afternoon. Uh, they were just at Kentucky over the weekend for the final of their, uh, their four visits to, to their four finalists over the past month. They went to Tennessee first last month during their spring break, went to Louisville a couple days after that. Uh, they were at Virginia the weekend of April 2nd and then at Kentucky over the weekend. So they, they got to see all four finalists in person despite the dead period. And, uh, it, and it, all signs point to this being a Tennessee-Kentucky race. I, I think they like, they like Virginia, but the distance is a, is a bit of a concern there. Um, so even though that staff's done a really good job of recruiting them, I think this is a, this is a Tennessee Kentucky battle down the stretch and the, the Vols have, uh, have really turned up the heat here over the past, not just over the past couple months, but especially the past few weeks, it's become a, a, a really serious push by Tennessee to, to try to get these guys to, to sort of jumpstart this 2022 class that still doesn't have any commitments right now. I think there's a real sense that these guys could play a big role and, and, you know, perception wise and everything else really helping Tennessee, get a spark uh, in a year where they obviously could use it in state, especially. Um, so I, I a, a very serious battle here over the past week. I think there's been, uh, you know, some people were maybe sleeping on Kentucky for a while. And I think it's become pretty obvious. Kentucky has really made things interesting in this race. Uh, Tennessee's got a, got a, a, still a good shot. I, I think at landing these guys, but it's been a tough one to read here over the past week because there is some legitimate optimism on Kentucky's end. So you know, somebody might have the wrong read on this. Not sure yet who it is, but I, I, I still, my, my crystal ball pick has been on Tennessee for a, for a few weeks now, and and that's that's where I'm sticking with it at this point. You know, we'll see if we hear anything different by the end of the week, but it's uh it's going to be an interesting next few days to see what we hear on that front and to see whether Tennessee can uh, can close the deal. But Keaton Wade, a four star outside linebacker uh, that that I think projects as more of an edge rusher, but can also play linebacker. 
Uh, so obviously a, a position of need there. You need all the pass rush help you can get. And if you can help at linebacker, that's an, that's an added bonus too. And then, uh, and then Destin Wade, a, a dynamic quarterback who led summit to a state title this past season that, uh, that, you know, probably gets his first look at quarterback in college, but, but can play other positions too. And, you know, might, whether that's on offense as a, as a tight end or, or wide receiver or on defense as a linebacker or safety, just one of those athletes that can do a lot of good things for you. And I, I think has a, has just sort of a, a, a winning presence that, that, you know, adding those two guys would be a big deal for Tennessee to, to get this class started if they can finish the deal there. So going to be a fascinating next few days to see how that plays out, but certainly at least a, a little bit of concern there from Tennessee's side. I think uh, with that, with Kentucky getting the final visit and, and just everything we've, we've heard over the past week, it's, it's become a much more uh, competitive race. I think that people thought it would be a couple weeks ago. And, and so Ryan's drawn a line, Ryan's drawn a line, a line in the sand and he's not moving. He, he has made, he has <laughs> made his decision. He's sticking with it. And I admire that. I admire that. There's a lot of things twisting out there in the wind, Ryan, and you're just standing there like, come at me, bro. <laughs> well, something like that, but we'll see, you know, Hey, hey things, things change. Certainly we've heard of, heard of battles like this that, that change in the final 72 hours before, or you hear something different in the final 72 hours. So uh, that, that this may be another one of those, but, but right now, nothing I've heard has, has moved me enough to say that, that I should change my crystal ball pick. So I, I still will, will go with Tennessee for now, but it is a, it is a tight race and, and Kentucky has definitely made things interesting with the, with, I think the quarterback angle for, for Destin Wade being at least a factor in this, you know, does he, does he see an opportunity for himself at quarterback at either or both of these schools? Kentucky's really pushed that. Can Tennessee convince him that that he can really have a legitimate chance of playing quarterback and being effective in this offense? I think, I think it maybe comes down to just the belief in the pitches from those two schools on on what he thinks about his chances at that position. Ryan, would you would you say that it's a um, would you say that it's a fluid situation? I would say is it that fluid? Is it that fluid, or or is it or is it more like this fluid? <laughs> Give me a level um, here. Is, is it like is it like this fluid, like this, or like this? Uh, pro- probably the first. Probably probably about like that. You know, I'm, I I don't think those guys are completely in the dark about what they want to do, but I think they 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 still could be wrestling with it a few days beforehand. So we'll. We'll see. They, they've, they've had the schedule announcement date for a while, but yeah, there's, there's some fluidity there for sure. Uh, hard, hard to tell based on those sound effects, but you know, probably yeah. not quite the second one. You just never know. I mean, you know, the, there, there's different fluidity to different situations and I'm just trying to figure out which, which kind it is. So yeah. we got that out of the way. Guys, Ryan, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I know that it's uh, there's always plenty going on on a Monday. So thanks for giving us uh, some time, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. And, guys, we will be right back here in just one second. We're going to step away for just one second, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and we will be back to talk more football and also a lot of basketball here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a gorgeous Gorgeous Monday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, going down to now, we're, we're going to stay in the Knoxville area. Anyways, we're going to go down to the uh, the Govals 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office in Maryville and speak with the one, the only, Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up, man? What is up, Wes? Not much. I wanted to bring you on here because I wanted to make sure you were having to pay attention uh, to what I'm about to say right now. Guys, please take a minute out of your day and listen to... This podcast, obviously. That's the first one, right? The first big one is listen to the podcast. Other than that, though, please go in, take a minute out of your day, and rate and review this podcast. It will not take you much time at all. I say a minute. Uh, It might be two minutes, but it's really not much longer than that. Go in there, hit the subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast. There is nothing you can do that would help us more than that. We do this for free. And we are very happy to do it for free. We really are. But the one thing we ask for, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeart, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Please take a minute out of your day. Please. And go in there and rate and review it. That will help us with the algorithms. That will help more people find this podcast. And uh, we can get this this family and we can keep it growing. We can keep it growing. Like, uh, like the families of all my coworkers who have a combined, like, 18 children now so keep it growing like that and please take a minute out of your day and this will be this will really help you out please go in there and go to govoss247.com the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage on all Tennessee athletics uh, right now we got a couple really good deals going on just go to govoss247.com check us out and if you're a full paying member you know after you take the, the seven day free trial and you're like hey I like this I'm gonna pay for this after you do that uh, then just a little bit after that, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, or which is now Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. But it's good that it changed names because now it has even more stuff. And I'll talk about all that at the end of the podcast. So there's tons of stuff there. But you know where else there's tons of stuff going on right now in the Tennessee basketball program right this second. Grant, it's been um, no secret that it was a frustrating end uh, for Tennessee this season. It was not the season Tennessee wanted it to be. Uh, we kind of told everybody even before the season ended, but for sure when the season ended, we we even we weren't even really couching it much anymore. We were saying, guys, this roster is going to look totally different next year. Uh, you, you know, it, it, obviously everyone knew the two freshmen were going to go pro. People knew Pons was going to go pro. Um, other than that, though, they were thinking, oh, you know, build around these guys. Bill come back. I was like, nope, 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 guys, guys. There's going to be a lot of changes going on here. Uh, This is a different era of college athletics. This is one where you're going to see a lot of player movement. I'm all for that because if coaches can move every year, why not the players as well? been saying that for years, just my opinion, and I know some people disagree, but that's okay. Uh, What the big deal is is that there's a lot of player movement going on right now. And not just that, there's also staff movement going on. And, And that is something that we're seeing more and more with these Rick Barnes assistants 
Grant, is that these guys are, are coveted other places. Um, people see, uh, and you can say what you want about the lack of tournament success, you know, only one Final Four appearance, but the fact is Rick Barnes puts a really competitive, good basketball team on the floor every year, builds a culture, builds a program, and people want part of that, right? They, they want those guys to go be head coaches, and a couple more of them have now with um, – with a couple of guys that are gone, you got Kim English going to George Mason. You got uh, Desmond Oliver going up to East Tennessee State, which is a tough time to take that job. But but hey, he's wanted to be a head coach for a while, and that's a place where if all things are equal, you can do a pretty good job. You can win some games. So Grant, with that, those guys gone, we'll talk about the player additions in a minute and what's going on there. But let's get to the staff first. Uh, one position we know is filled, and one might be filled pretty soon, right? Yeah, Rod, Rod Clark uh, obviously was hired last week from from Austin P. Uh, a young guy, only 28 years old, been in the business, uh, really been in the collegiate coaching business only for two seasons, one at Austin P. and one at Illinois Chicago. But the people you talk to can't rave highly enough about him. Uh, and then last week it, it, for that secondary or for that second position that still needed to be filled on Thursday, uh, Justin Ganey's uh, name started to surface a little bit as somebody – uh, he, he spent the last season as Marquette's associate head coach. His name kind of surfaced as kind of where this search was trending towards, where, where it was kind of shifting its focus uh, was on him. And at this point, it feels like it's all the, you know, it just needs to be formally announced. And it could be as soon as uh, Monday, Tuesday, early this week, it could be announced once the paperwork's done and everything's official. Uh, they'll announce that similar to how they did, I think, Rod Clark last Monday. So it feels like that second position's filled. Um, this is a guy you hired Rod Clark, that 28 year old. We talked about the inexperience. Now you get a guy uh, in Justin Ganey who played at a high level at NC State for four years uh, and has coached at a high level, has made stops at Arizona. He was at uh, Marquette previously mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, I think four years total at Marquette. So he's been in those power five spots. He has some associate head coach experience. Mike Schwartz is Tennessee's associate head coach and has been uh, for the last couple of seasons. So you needed to kind of balance that youth that you got in Rod Clark with a little bit more experience with a guy like Justin Ganey. Uh, he's got good recruiting talent, just like Rod Clark does. So it seems like a good hire. Yeah. And I like this. Uh, I, I like the fact that um, both of these guys have a, a pretty good rapport with, with athletes. Both of these guys have been good recruiters throughout their career. And both of them seem to be pretty good coaches when you talk to people around the game about both of them. And, and for people who are wondering why it never really takes Barnes very long to kind of fill these positions, I think a little background on this probably helps. Uh, And I noticed this really quickly because this is something, I'll be honest, Grant, I did not know this about Rick Barnes uh, when he first got to Tennessee. I knew people in the business like him or or at least like him ever since he sort of got a little bit older and a little calmer earlier in his career when he was at, you know, Clemson and early at Texas. He really didn't have any chill, so he was a bit more polarizing back then. But but now he's a guy who – kind of everybody seems to either like or love uh, on some level. And uh, he's a guy uh, who coaches and, and well and wins games, right? You can talk about the postseason success, yada, 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 but wins games, wins them at a high level, one of the 18 or 19 winningest coaches in the history of the sport. And, and so I knew that part. What I didn't know was that how much his assistants like working for him um, because these guys – Uh, When you talk about quality of life, uh, that's something that in this business we don't see very often Um, because these guys, uh, and Tony Vitello, Tennessee's baseball coach, always says, you know, he's married to the game. 
Um, but you know what? Uh, these other guys also are married to the game, and they just also have families. And so that's hard on those families. And uh, they work insane hours. They work an insane amount of days in a row. Uh, they do not get off the clock very often, truly off the clock. Uh, and Rick Barnes is a guy who sort of demands that they do that. And and I did not know this, but I remember that was when I, the first time I sat down with Rob Lanier in his office for about half an hour or 45 minutes, whatever it was a few years ago, now the coach at Georgia State, he made a point several times of saying, man, here's the deal. People love working for Coach Barnes because our families love us working for Coach Barnes too. Because he said, I've never worked for a guy. He goes, I work for great coaches. I've never worked for a guy who in the summer tells me for a week or week and a half, I don't want to see you. I want you to go, go to the beach, go to the mountains, go to some big city, go to Europe, go somewhere with your family for a week. I don't want to see you. I, I don't want to hear it. You know what? If you, want to, if you want to do recruiting, do it on the phone. Uh, if, if you need to come into the office, someone will help us, help you do that. But I don't want to see you in this office for at least like seven or ten days. And that's just unheard of almost in this business, right? It's just not something that happens. And, and so when they work, they work hard. When they're off the clock, uh, they get a life. And he accepts that, and he sort of demands that. He thinks that makes you better, more refreshed when you're working, which is a novel concept. Um, but it's something that these coaches, they know, if I go work for this guy, because a lot of times it'll be their spouses who say, uh, no, let's go, work for, let's go work for Coach Barnes again, um, because that was a much better life. And people can say all the time, oh, that means he's not committed, yada, yada. No, nah, I don't buy that at all. When the dude's working, he's working, and he's working insanely. But when he's not working, he's giving you a pretty good quality of life, and I think that's something that matters to people. And on top of that, you know, when you're done working for him, you're usually going to go be a head coach somewhere. And, oh, by the way, at Texas, he was eventually basically, let's call it, fired because he would not get rid of his staff. He refused to do it. He, they basically gave him the ultimatum, you know, that the, the Fulmer and others have gotten before saying, listen, we want to keep you but we need you to completely freshen up your staff. We need you to go younger. We need you to do this and this. And he went, no, you know, he, he kind of went Norman Dale, you know, like my, my team's on the floor. And, and when you put all those three things together, you get why people love working for the dude. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I think he's going to be just like he treats his players. There's not a lot of uh, beating around the bush. He's going to be brutally honest, good or bad, you know, where you stand with that guy. Um, and yeah, you're right about the, the, the work-life balance and, and he's going to let you attack the job the way you want to attack it. I think each guy has done it a little bit differently and, and has had yeah. success with it. Basically. I mean, this is the fourth time, uh, with Kim English and Desmond Oliver, fourth time that a former Tennessee assistant under Barnes has left the staff to go on to become a head coach. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, he's only been here, what, this was his sixth season. Yeah. Um, and, and when you look at his experience, Barnes, the, the amount of time he's been in the game, um, it's it's not going to be hard to play six degrees of separation with Barnes and just about any assistant coach in the country based on the coaching tree that he has. Uh, and so when he does have these openings, yeah, he can move pretty fast uh, and get the guy that he wants. And it usually uh, turns out well because of, uh, you know, guys like Kim English that are here for a couple of years and, and really quickly get head coaching interests and are gone. Um, Mike Schwartz has got head coaching interest. He, he should be the next one uh, to get a, his head coaching opportunity down the line. Bit, so, surpri bit surprised uh, it hadn't happened already, to be honest with you. 
Right. You're going to get your chance. You're going to get looked at. You're going to get noticed because you're part of a good program that wins a lot of games, that has a really good culture, uh, that, that, you know, they, they have a lot of, you know, they've been known for their player development in the past. They've been known for their recruiting. Uh, there's a little bit of everything that can help you springboard uh, forward. And, and it looks like with these two coaches, uh, they've got one guy that's really quickly climbing through the ranks and they've got another guy that's more experienced and has a, lot, a little bit more uh, to his title. Um, who could be kind of one of those guys that are, that are next in line uh, for a head coaching opportunity. Yeah, and lastly on this, you know, w- what's the first thing a guy does if Rick Barnes calls you and asks you to come be a member of his staff, you know, he asks you to come interview whatever, he wants to hire you. What are the first things you're going to do, right? You're going to call anyone you know who knows Rick Barnes, and then especially you're going to try to call the person whose job you are filling and say, Hey, uh, what am I walking into here? I don't want to walk into this blind. What am I walking into? And I cannot think of any of those guys. You go from, you know, go from Ogden, you know, Lanier, English, Oliver. I cannot think of one of those dudes who would say, hey, don't, don't come take this job. I'm leaving for a reason, bro. I think they're all going to sit there and say, yeah, come take this job. It's, you can win here. The facilities are great. It's a good place for your children to go to school. It's a good community, a great community, actually. Uh, people here love basketball, and, and Rick, Rick Barnes is, is great to work for. You work hard when you work, but when you don't, you know, you get to go have a life. And, oh, by the way, um, I'm a head coach now, so when you leave, you're probably going to be leaving to go be a head coach. That's probably what's going to happen, and, and I think that is something that matters. And the one thing I didn't say, because I mentioned the three things earlier, here's the fourth factor. He actually lets you coach. Uh, he, he does not – now, there are times where he will micromanage in the sense that he's done something in his past, he's done a wrinkle against this particular coach, and he wants to do this, and he's going to do this because he's the head coach. Uh, and if he sees something in practice he doesn't like, he will step in sometimes and say, no, 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 do it this way. But in general, uh, if he gives you a scout, you're going to scout it. If he gives you – if he says, I want you to work with the big men today, he's going to let you work with the big men. He's not going to be looking over your shoulder. He's not going to be micromanaging everything you do. He's going to let you do your job. He's going to let you – and he's talked about this before, how he lets the guys actually do things that will help them when they're head coaches. Like, here's a novel idea. They talk to reporters. And not just, here's Rick Barnes and here's his assistant – they will go through one. They'll rotate during the season and be like, "You're doing this today. You're gonna you're gonna go field questions, and you're gonna talk to the media as if you're the head coach today." And you could joke and say that's just because Rick doesn't want to do it, and maybe maybe that's true. I don't know. I don't know. Rick, Rick, Rick usually likes to talk, so when he doesn't do that, he's he's. I'm gonna come at it from the angle of I think he's telling these guys, "I want you to go act." You know, this is what happens when you're a head coach. You know, we just lost this most recent game or whatever. Uh, I got a big one coming up on on Tuesday, and uh, they're going to want to hear from from somebody about what's going wrong. So say whatever you want to say, man. The floor is yours. Act like you're me. Go answer some questions. And they'll talk about it. Other than maybe a player's health, which they won't get into a lot because they'll let the head coach and the trainer do that, they'll talk about anything. And they're not afraid to. And and they're not afraid to go challenge a player publicly. They're not afraid to say something that normally only a head coach would say. Because in football, my God, those guys will never say anything like that because that is a different culture. It goes through the coach. Only the coach says it. And when they talk to assistants, you can basically get stuff for features, but you can't get, like, news, 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 because they're not going to say, yeah, we think this guy's going to be the starter. Or, you know, hey, you know, this guy, nah, his ankle's not feeling good. I'm not really sure about Saturday. You know, you're not going to hear that. 
Uh, whereas in basketball, they'll just come out and say most of those things. So that's important, and I think that's why people like working for him, and that's why I think the viability of the Tennessee program remains pretty darn good going forward. Now, again, this all gets back to what people are going to say, what about the NCAA tournament? Okay, fair point. That is that is the one thing in this guy's career that is a problem, and it's something that eventually is going to have to be addressed one way or another. But everything else in the program is fine. They're winning every year. They're competitive every year. They're recruiting at a really high level. Their places It's a place where players and coaches want to come play and coach. They got a family vibe in that program. They take care of their own. They look out for each other. They bring in good kids. I, you know, everything else is fine. It's just that. And, and speaking of that, Grant, what do we know? We know about the portal, right? We, or the, I'm sorry, portal, portal, portal. We know all about that, that players have gone. Do we think that the hemorrhaging at this point has stopped, or do we think there are still others who may go? And what do we know about players coming into the program? Uh, I think at this point I would be surprised if there were any more names uh, added to the portal right now, Tennessee is at seven departures, uh, three to the NBA or to the professional, whatever is next in their career. Keon Johnson, Jane Springer, Eve Pons, four to the portal, Drew Pember, Devonte Gaines, Pember to Asheville, Devonte Gaines to George Mason, where he'll play for Kim English. Um, EJ Anasicki, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, um, just cause I hadn't heard his name a ton as a potential portalee. But when you look at his numbers and the way he fell out of the rotation the second half of the season, how much he struggled um, through his one and only season at Tennessee, you can understand why he would want to go somewhere else and, and look for a bigger opportunity where he could maybe get back to being more productive like yeah. he was at Sacred Heart. And then Corey Walker, it is what it is. That did not work out at all. Um, we've discussed it on the board. It felt like he showed up in the summer and just kind of got off on the wrong foot. Yeah, Had a toe injury in November, never got caught wait, wait, up. Did, did, was, was, was that a pun? that you just gave us there no it was not uh it was that was an accidental dad pun that just happens sometimes uh <laughs> when you're a father um but I, I mean i don't know it, it was a missed evaluation evaluation clearly in the recruiting process uh that led to this uh desmond oliver was his main recruiter at tennessee maybe he looks at etsu as a possible landing spot uh there where he could play for des um but with seven guys gone four guys in the portal i mean this is very much a crossroads for this Tennessee basketball program uh, under Rick Barnes, because there's been, they had so much success for those back-to-back years uh, in 17, 18, 18, 19. But since then, there's been a lot of missed evaluations. There've been a lot of miss, um, you know, DJ Burns, Derek Walker. Um, yeah. Derek. Yeah. I don't know. Corey Walker. I'm, I'm confusing yeah. all the names now. It, yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot, lot of power forwards. If you're a power forward, uh, they, they may not have gotten you correct. Right, and, and you just can't keep uh, missing on these guys. Obviously, you can't. You the problems, uh, so many problems and frustrations this season were rooted in the fact that you didn't have that inside presence, you didn't have that depth inside, you didn't have that guy that could go get the basketball and score it inside when John Fulkerson's struggling. Um, so they've had so many missed evaluations stacked on top of each other that you know now you have two thirds. Your coaching staff is new. Um, your assistant coaches, and, and you're going to have a whole new roster because it's basically down to five or six scholarship guys that you know of right now that are coming back or, or at least plan to come back or, or you know, have to just make a decision like a John Fulkerson, what's he going to do? So I think they're done in the portal, um, and obviously they have three, two guys signed, Kenny Chandler and J.M. Meshack. They have 
one uh, new commitment in Quentin Dubunje, the, the French prospect, uh, the six foot six shooting guard who committed last week out of, out of Montverde Academy in uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Justin Powell, the Auburn transfer guard that was, they got a commitment from a couple of weeks ago. That was a really big commitment. Yeah. Um, he was a highly touted, uh, highly sought after uh, transfer who shot 44% from the three point line. And, 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 he, and he was better than I thought he was going to be. At, he, he didn't get a lot of games at year sovereign because he was hurt, but he was a more impactful player immediately than I thought he would be. He's good. Right. I mean, he's a six foot six shooting guard, combo guard. Um, he only played 10 games because of the concussion at Auburn. He shot at 44% from the three point line, 42% from the field average 11, eight and six or some kind of number, something like that. Um, so that's, those are big additions. Obviously Kennedy Chandler is probably the biggest. Justin Powell is probably the second biggest. Uh, and then you see what you get from Quentin and Jemai and how quickly they can help you. Um, but there's still probably three open scholarship spots on this roster. What we don't know along with John Fulkerson, if he's going to come back, uh, how the NCAA is going to treat those seniors that return for winter athletes. I don't mm-hmm. believe that's been publicly announced. I know for fall sports athletes, basically they're not going to count them towards next year, but after that, the scholarship counting will continue for any player that's Correct. still Correct. still using an extra year of eligibility. So you assume uh, those seniors, if there are any that elect to come back, like a Fulkerson, I guess he's the only one left at this point, um, he would not be counted toward that number that 13 number so uh you've got seven gone you've got four coming in that means you've got three spots it's just a matter of do they want to fill them all uh, do they leave one open do they see what kind of goes on the season and go from there um but it very much feels like this is a crossroads where you got to get the right guys in here that can help you win now uh because you had so many frustrations this season that you can't just keep doing that over and over and here's the issue, Grant, as I see it. And again, feel free to tell me if I'm wrong because I'm wrong quite a bit. But but I think looking at it, the issue is unless it's just an absolutely dynamic guard, unless it's a guy who you're like, you know what, this guy's going to come in and play 25 minutes a game. Or this guy, he might only play 14 minutes a game or 15 minutes a game, but he is a 48% three-point shooter or something like it. it unless he's so dynamic – they need big men. That's what they need. Um, because as you talked about earlier, that's the spot where they've gotten it wrong a little bit in recruiting. You know, most of the guards, they've been dead on the money, most of them. And early in their tenure, they were really good at getting the right big men. They knew what they wanted. They got them. They took some lumps with them. They built them up. And, and now they're going forward. And, of course, now that makes me wonder if these guys that they've gotten now – if they had had three or four years to work with them, would it have been different? Would it have been like it was with Williams and Schofield where they would have been able to take some lumps because there weren't as many expectations then, and then they could build them into players. But now where they've got it, it needs to be an assembly line. you got to get it and go. This wants to be a top-10 team every year, so you're going to have to – you're going to have to perform at that level or you're not going to really get built unless you're just going to not play for three years and just be on the bench. And most guys don't come to college to do that. So that's the, 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 the push and pull there. It's just kind of difficult. But the thing is, they need big man. And when you look at the portal, you see a whole lot of guards and you don't see a lot of big men. Because normally, if you're a big man and you're good, uh, you're playing or you're going pro. And that's, that's the issue right now is there are names in the portal. And there are names who might be added to the portal who are good quality big men. 
But the problem is, Grant, they need those big men, and there's just not, at least on the surface right now, a ton of them available. And as you're trying to build a team, remember when we used to joke about Urban Meyer trying to make a team with a quarterback and 10 wide receivers? It almost kind of seems like now it's like, can can Rick Barnes make a team with a point guard and and 10 wings? Can he do that? Um, we kind of saw that last year. You, you really can't. Uh, you, you need more presence down low and you still need that in this you know kind of guard heavy era and am I wrong there or does that kind of seem to be the issue where they've got three spots if they fill one two or three of them it's very clear they need big men and there's just not a ton out there yet that we know of now maybe as you said uh, earlier Ganey uh, we need to talk about this Ganey might help them with a big man prospect but that would just be one guy and that would just be a freshman so what else what else can they look at here yeah, I mean, the guy you're mentioning, Jonas Aizu, I mean, he was a former Marquette commitment uh, when he decommitted from Marquette following the coaching changes with Wojciechowski fired and, mm-hmm. and Shaka Smart uh, hired. He thanked Coach Ganey uh, on the way out when he was, you know, announcing that his recruitment was open up. So when you hire Justin Ganey, that gives you that direct contact. And Tennessee's familiar with this kid. They recruited him. He was in their top 10. Uh, they were in his top 10 when he committed uh, to Marquette in December. So there's some familiarity there for both sides. And that would make sense if Tennessee's kind of in the thick of that recruitment uh, going forward. Uh, another prep name, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, that everybody's had circled for a while. He's yeah. a 2022 kid, top 10 nationally, five-star consensus top 10 player. He could consider reclassification. I think he's listed at 6'9", 235. He's a little bit more of a stretch forward where I do. is probably a, bit, a little bit more of a true center. Um, so if they could add either of those guys, I think that's a, that's a big get. I think Brandon Huntley Hatfield would help you as a, as a stretch forward who could play right away, what they need from a big man, they can't sign any more projects, at least not right now. Mm-hmm. They have to have a big man, day one producer. He doesn't have to be your leading scorer. He doesn't have to be the best player on the floor, but he's got to be a guy that can get you a bucket when you need a bucket down low. He's got to be a guy that can run the pick and roll with Kennedy Chandler, one of the best pick and roll point guards in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, God, at least he God, looks like at the prep level. He's so good at that pick and roll. He's right. really good. You don't want to build a, a team full of wings like you had this past season. What you do have this season is Kennedy Chandler, a true point guard, no questions asked. He's going to be the guy that's going to run things on the offensive end. Yep. You're going to give the keys to him and let him go. You didn't have that this season, obviously, um, with the, the questions at guard with with Keon and, and Jaden and Santi and you know Victor Bailey and Josiah. There's a lot of options. There's not really that number one guy to run it. You have that now. Now you have to go and get him that productive big man if it's somebody that's in the portal now, if it's somebody that's not in the portal yet, but could be going there. Um, if it's a Brandon Huntley Hatfield paired with somebody from the portal or a Jonas, I do paired with somebody from the portal, some kind of combination, you got to get a big man that steps in and helps you day one immediately, not a project, somebody that can go and, and, and make you a better basketball team and give you that inside presence that Rick Barnes said, we don't have an inside presence you know, 20 minutes after they lost to Oregon State. That's what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. How to fix this offense moving forward is to get that inside presence. Well, here you are. Go find your guy, bring him in, and try to get this thing fixed. Yeah, because I got before – before I move on to ask you one football question, Grant, uh, I, I want to ask – you're talking about those big men, and, and the question I have right now is, you know, if you – you know, you say you can't take any more projects, and I 100% believe that, but, but what about the projects that are already there? I mean, what in terms of now, I guess you've probably got what, you know, you got Fulkerson and, you know, who's working out probably with Olivier Kumwa and Uros Plasic, right? They're probably working out together a lot, probably playing some pickup, doing things like that. How big 
just how enormous of an offseason is this for both Plavsic and for, for Olivia Cumwell? Because I, I still see some upside with both. I think Urosh might be sort of what he is, but I think he can play more and I think he can be more effective in certain games. And and I still see just a ton of upside with Olivia Cumwell. I still see it. I don't know why he didn't play more last year, but I mean, this is just a huge offseason for him, isn't it? I mean, it is for both of them. I mean, it's time to, what's the saying? Do your business or get off the pot. Yeah. I mean, it's time to do something. Um, it's time. Uh, honestly, those are two guys that I watched to kind of curious if they would look at moving, uh, moving on transferring because yeah. of the, the opportunities were so limited throughout the season for Uro. She got a little bit more run in the SEC tournament. And that was kind of a, a, a fun storyline there for a minute. And Olivier, it seems like everybody kind of sees potential in him, but he gets very little opportunities. And uh, I don't know if Rick Barnes doesn't see it there, doesn't trust him when he's on the floor. Um, I don't know. It just depends on – yes, it's a huge offseason for them because you can't just be averaging five minutes a night and, and be content to just hang out and, and waste your eligibility away. Um, and I think it also depends on who Tennessee gets in here, uh, big man-wise, and, and kind of uh, what this roster looks like when it's – uh, a little bit more complete in terms of names and, and knowing who's going to be here next year uh, and who's going to be trying to get playing time. But yes, it's, a, it's an absolutely huge off season for them individually uh, because it's time for them to start being productive, consistent, somebody you can count on um, Tennessee. You would hope Tennessee could do that. They could do that here. Uh, but if not, uh, are they guys that you have to watch? Like we said earlier, I, I would be surprised if there are any more transfer names in the portal, but those guys got to start stepping up and, and producing in a big way. Uh, or at least making progress in a big way this offseason to be in a better position to help them moving forward. Yeah, and, and the way I understood it, Kumwa started to get a little more frustrated later in the year um, at different times. For sure. I think he, he wanted to – it was very clear that he thought – you know, because Barnes, we've talked about this before, Barnes is a guy who when you get his trust, you get it, right? You don't know when you're going to get it, um, but when you get it, everything changes, right? Like he's still going to coach you hard every day, but generally speaking, you're going to get a few more opportunities to make mistakes. You're going to get the chance to play through things. Uh, if he benches you out of anger, he'll usually bench you for just two or three you know, possessions to kind of calm you down a little bit. Um, we've seen this with point guards. We've seen it some with big men. And for whatever reason, he is not there with Olivier Cumwell. Like, if, if Olivier Cumwell comes in the game and makes a mistake, he will very quickly still get pulled out of a game. And there were even times this year where he would play five or six really good minutes in the first half, or pretty good, really good a couple times, but sometimes just pretty good. But then he would not play in the second half because Barnes was like, I don't trust him in the second half. I don't trust him. I just don't trust him in the second half. And I don't know if he came out and said that, but that was pretty clear that's what it meant. I mean, there's no other way. If you're playing a guy five or six minutes in the first half, but you won't play him in the second half, I think you're obviously saying, well, I trust him in the first half when we're – it's not as important, but in the second half, I don't trust him. He, he He's a guy who's giving me minutes that, uh, you know, for John Fulkerson to rest so he can be healthy down the stretch of games. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. that That is what it is, but um, – you know, it's just it's interesting to me because I, I think Kumwa's a guy who still could be a really good player. Um, I, I think he could be um, something like a, you know, like a 10-8 guy. I still think he could do that. I still think he if he will rebound the ball, play defense, just take the open shots when they're there within the flow of the offense, occasionally go out there and take a mid-ranger more if you feel comfortable. But I just I, – I see skill there. I see athleticism, the way he glides across the floor – 
He's smooth. I just – I think they targeted him for a reason in recruiting. I like him as a prospect. But uh, they got to go get the trust from – you know, he's got the, – the staff has got to trust him, and he's got to earn that staff's trust. Uh, or it won't matter. And, and maybe a couple new sets of eyes in the coaching staff will help him. Who knows? Maybe maybe he has just a dynamite offseason with, with Garrett Maidenwald, and he's able to – you know, go out there and be a different guy. Maybe Plavsic, um gets a little quicker in the offseason. I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a, a a greyhound. But, you know, I mean, he's pretty athletic for a guy his size. Maybe he can go out there and do some things. We we shall see. Um, but it, it is worth noting that there are other guys. Um, you know, you talk about the portal, and maybe a couple Tennessee guys would consider going into the portal if a couple of other guys came in at their position. We don't know. But you got to remember, um, the portal door swings both ways there. If certain things happen at other places, other big men who are not on the market now could come on the market, and then Tennessee would be all over them. Like, like, uh, what? What's that old uh, that old Damon Wayne's quote? Was it like white on rice on paper plate in the middle of a, of a <laughs> snowstorm? But so well, everybody else, right? Everybody else wants the big men, right? You're going to have Kentucky, Duke, UNC. I mean, everybody's going to be knocking down the doors of any. Well, you're a big man. You're pretty good. Which is why it's interesting that Tennessee didn't push Walker Kessler. But I mean, hey, that's another story for another day, I guess. I think they'll. I think they'll still. I think they're still going after him. It just seems like a very long shot. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know why that is necessarily. I don't know why Tennessee didn't. Just maybe maybe I'm reading that wrong, but it doesn't seem like Tennessee really pushed super super hard there. But I don't know if they had a couple of vacancies on the staff, then maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, Grant, before I get you out of here, um, what were your thoughts on Saturday, other than uh, for Tennessee's open football practice? I know that um, the only words I heard from you in person were you walked behind me and told me that barbershops were still open because you didn't respect the flow that I've got going again. I've got my baseball flow going one more time because I'm 38 and I think when I'm 40, like I gotta go back to being like all, all professional all the time there with the hair, but I want to let it flow one last time. I hadn't done it in a few years and I figured the, the, the quarantine, the pandemic, why not? That's a good time to let it go. You didn't respect that. That's okay. But in terms of what's going on with the football, I've said this a little bit in the first segment with Ryan. I, I still just, you don't want to paint with too broad a brush because you got a brand new coaching staff and it's the spring and a couple guys are hurt that are really important players. They could still add some guys in the transfer portal after spring practice. Some some more signees could come in. Those suspended players could come back um, and, and probably will and make an impact. I still, when I look at that team right now, and this is all based off of three hours one day, so take that with the smallest grain of salt that exists on the planet. I still think... Whew, that's going to be a tough time to get this team to a bowl game. Uh, it just does not look when you consider what we are normally seeing from a lot of the teams, Tennessee will be playing next season. And you look at what Tennessee's got now. I thought, you know what? I actually kind of think they're okay up front, both lines of scrimmage. They're big, they're physical. They can move a little bit. They're not going to knock your socks off, but I think they can be pretty good up front. I think they can hold their own there for the most part. Um, but there are other places you know, like quarterback, linebacker, where I see some some problems. First of all, you're not 40? I thought I saw on Twitter a couple of years ago. No, you lied 40. then. I was born on September 3rd, 1982, which makes me still did 38 not, years old. I do not recall that. I've never seen a birth certificate. So I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm not Danny Almonte-ing you. 
I guess it's my word against yours uh, or Twitter's word against yours. And you can't believe everything you read on the internet. I'm going to have to go. Oh, of course, then I could go get my photo. I I could get my birth certificate, but then you would Photoshop it within two seconds. I was, I was telling Patrick the other day, you remember on dumb and dumber when they're driving across the country in the middle of the night and I can't remember who's driving, but they cross the state line and it's either Harry or Lloyd. He says, I got to pull over. I don't got the energy to start a new state. (laughs) That's what it feels like. It's what it feels like with a, a new coaching staff. Every time you got to start over, yeah. it's, it requires so much energy as a fan to <laughs> engage and, and kind of plug into this coach. Now they're saying all the right stuff. There seems like a lot of good vibes, you know, coming out of the building, everything you hear about it, everything they say, you know, on the videos and stuff that they put out, you know, those good vibes don't necessarily lead to wins or mean you have a lot of talent. Um, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be a while. You're going to have to be patient. It's hard to ask that when you've asked Tennessee fans to be patient for the last ten years now, ten years, ten years plus, I guess. Um, so much is going to hinge on quarterbacks, and you know, I, I wasn't blown away, obviously, by quarterback play on Saturday. You know, but at least they have some options there, and I think that's what I wrote when it was done. You, you don't really feel great about the position, but at least you got options. You're not sticking with Brian Maurer because you don't have any other options. Or Harrison Bailey because you don't have any other. Op- it's not linebacker it, basically is what I'm saying. It is fun you to have bodies. It, there. Yeah, it's fun to watch Brian Maurer throw a football, but God knows where it's going sometimes. Right, he spins and, and it. You he got spins guys, it beautifully. You got two guys in Maurer and Hooker that can use their legs to get out of the pocket and extend plays. I think like the staff they're going to want them to do, working on sprint outs and rollouts and all that stuff. So at least you have options at quarterback. Um, early on for this team for this program, it's going to be about how many points can you score and how quickly can you score them. Because you're probably going to give up a lot of points. Yeah. Um, but if you lose 63 to 45, it's a little bit different than losing 31 to seven. Uh, you can you can. It's a little bit easier to sell uh, an exciting brand of football that's being played on t- up tempo pace, going fast, scoring points. So if they can find the quarterback uh, and the create the chemistry, I think that was a little bit something that was missing there on Saturday. The chemistry with the targets, the wide receivers, and some you know balls on the turf because of that. So I think if you can establish that. Uh, and if you can score some points uh, and if you can run the pace that this offense, this coaching staff wants to run, at least it'll be fun to watch because it's, it's going to be a struggle for a while just based on everything that's going on in this program uh, the last calendar year uh, and the last 10 plus years with all these coaching staff changes. Yeah, and this is the only thing I'll say because I mentioned part of this in the first segment also, so I, I won't go dive deep into it again. But, you know, part of me wants to say, you know what, man, look at this offense, dude, it always works. Even when he got to Mizzou, and they were just, just, you know, they were like eleven dog turds trying to play football on offense the year before he got there in some ways. And then he gets there, and they go from like what one hundred fourteenth or something to like fourteenth or twelfth nationally in, in total offense. And I'm like, okay, so this can get good results quickly. However, that team had Drew Locke, and Drew Locke, even when he was at Mizzou as a freshman and they were not very good you saw him make some throws because I remember we went down there uh and and in that game you know he would just be yeah yeah but then he'd make a couple throws and you're like oh oh that's why that look at he threw that thing across the hash like it was nothing right on a dime like okay he had that guy so he could build around a guy who came to Mizzou as a big prospect was supposed to be an NFL-type quarterback and obviously is an NFL quarterback. So, uh, you know, it helps a lot when you're good there 
this is a very quarterback-driven offense um, with the decisions they have to make quickly, whether they run, throw, the, you know, with the RPO stuff, where they're looking, where they're going, decisions have to be made quickly. And uh, they got, if they can get good there, if it's one of those three guys, if it's Salter, if it's some combination, if they can be good there, I, I think their receivers are okay. I don't know if they're great, but I think they're, they're okay. And I think the tight ends with Golish being a tight ends coach, being a guy who very clearly you talk, we've talked to a couple of the tight ends already this off season or this spring, and, and they feel pretty convinced the tight ends are going to be a bigger part of this offense now. And I've always thought Warren was an interesting prospect. Uh, just, you know, he's big, rangy, he's got good hands. Uh, and, and we know that Fant's a guy now who showed up last year, could do some things, so is an H-back type of guy. Um, but it, it all comes back to the quarterback. They, you know, and, and I think we, we, all think, uh, the, we all think the Juco running back's a, a heck of a player, so there's no questions there. But, um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to get something figured out at quarterback. But unless you've got anything else, Grant, I think we can leave it there. But I always ask you, but I'll, I'll try. You, uh, you got anything else? No, I'm just going to hang up. I'm going to just stop answering that question and just hang up right when you get done talking. Good. Hit the button. Go hit the button. I'm good. I'm ready for it. Hit you, it. No you, hang, no, you hang up first. No, I'll hang up first. You hang up. No, you hang up. Bye. 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 Yeah. See, there he is. But you know what I've learned is that if I wait until he actually does it, it's less awkward when I hit the transition as I'm doing now. Guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. As always, we always say that, but we always mean it. We really appreciate it. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24 7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown, who you will hear from uh, later in this week in the podcast, he is P Brown 24 7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govals 24 7. You can also go to Facebook at facebook.com slash govals 24 7. And that page is updated uh, pretty much all day, every day. All kinds of good stuff there. You can go get all of that. Uh, but if you want the best, most delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring water, just right from the tap, the, that Ronnie Millsap Smoky Mountain Rain goodness, go get that at GoVols247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Talked about those guys a little bit earlier. Uh, those guys just doing the thing, man. They're just doing the thing. And we got plenty of coverage on them. We're covering them more than we ever have before. We got Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who the award-winning Maria Cornelius, who does a great job covering all things Lady Vols for us. And they're always doing their thing. They're always out there winning games. Get plenty of stuff, exclusive stuff about Lady Vols all the time at GoVols247.com. Uh, or... You can go straight to the boards. We got two forums running around the clock. We got the checkerboard. We got the summit. And as long as it's not political or religious in nature, ask us anything you want. Just about 24 hours a day, one of us will be there all the time to answer just about it. No matter where you are in the world, what time of day you're asking us a question, just just drop us a line in there, man. We'll, we'll get back to you. We'll talk to you. We'll have a good time doing it. That's what we're here for, especially, especially in this world that we're forced to live in right now. Uh, also, you can get all of that for less than the price of low, one low, just mediocre lunch per month, especially with all the delivery squads now and everything. It's half of a mediocre lunch per month. We'll get you all of that. And once you pay us a full membership, guys, you get access in perpetuity 
As long as you're paying us full price, you get access to Paramount Plus. You get the Rolls-Royce commercial-free package. Uh, and what is Paramount Plus? It used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, which means even more stuff. It's CBS's CBS Viacom streaming platform. Every show CBS has ever made, commercial-free, live sports, including Vol Sports, uh, NFL, uh, you get a PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all that good stuff. Plus, you get the new movies every single month, and you get everything uh, from the catalogs of Comedy Central, uh, MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, and Smithsonian. That's a $100 plus annual value in your pocket, no questions asked, for free. Hard to beat that deal, guys. Hard to beat that deal. If nothing else, you should hear from us by Thursday, unless something crazy happens before then, which it always ha- could happen like that. It's Tennessee. But if not, you'll hear from us later in the week. Until then, wear your freaking masks. Wash your freaking hands. Get that freaking vaccine. I got both of mine. Wednesday, I'll be two weeks out of it, and I'll be good to go. Guys, let's do this together. We are so close to getting out of this thing. Let's do it. And you know what? Be nice to each other. Just try to be nice to each other. PSA, over. See y'all later.